It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast for this Phone It In Friday. We're following up a day in which the Reds lost another day game this time splitting the series in St. Louis with the Cardinals. Not going to have too much of a recap on that. Got a lot to get to with Mo Egger for Phone It In Friday, so I may talk about that a little bit on Monday. But before we get to my chat with Mo Egger, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya Podcasting app. Also, check us out on our website at LockedOnReds.com. Head on over to Twitter at LockedOnReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs where we keep the conversa- conversation going each and every day about our red legs. And then hit us up on the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159. Gotten a few calls already. We're going to talk some more about those calls on Monday as well. Won't be able to get to them today, so thank you guys for calling in. Keep calling in to answer the questions that I've been posing to you, and we'll have some more next week. But now, thanks to our sponsors, Hotels.com and Blue Chew, we are going to get to the interview with Mo. For today's Phone In Friday, I'm talking with Mo Egger again, and I just wanted to say you have officially been labeled. Oh, as what? You are now the first ever. Friend of the podcast. Oh, and, wow! How about that? Friend of the podcast! And as a friend of the oh, podcast. Oh, dude, now see, this is big league. I got you. Thank you, Gibbs. That's a good cigar right there. Romeo Julieta. Yeah. That's a good cigar. That wasn't, you didn't just, you know, pull that out. You didn't buy that at a gas station. No, sir. It's pretty good. Wanted to thank you. Well, for if, if every time I come on, yeah. you bring me a cigar, I'll come on all the time. <laughs> I'm all right with that. <laughs> thank uh, you very much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just wanted to thank, I mean, you were the first one. What, to, now, what what did it take to qualify to be a friend of the podcast? I, I've, I've figured it's been someone that I've talked to a bunch. Yeah. And someone that's really easy to work with and mm-hmm. easy to talk to. Wow. And that, that's you. Who else is in the running? Who else did um, I beat out for the title? Doug. He's in the running. I think Doug knows what he's talking about. He does. Yeah. He does. He's got one more before I give him Okay. That. And i got to figure deal. out what to give him because I don't know that he's a cigar guy. Mm. Um, and well, br- give him a cigar and I'll give it to him. Okay. Okay. That's not really going to happen. <laughs> it's my way of getting more smokes. That's Thank you right. very much. Yeah. No, well, hopefully, hopefully there's company, but I'm happy to be the first. I did a little research <laughs> behind that, and I bought a few more for myself. Nice. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course. But uh, definitely want to talk a little bit of Reds today. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly we're, we're, we're going to focus on big picture. That's kind of yeah. been how I'm focusing on the podcast lately because the day-in, day-out movements of our favorite baseball team have been 
neurotic yeah. at best. So to go day to day just kind of drives you nuts. Let's start with something that we've all been talking about, and that is whether the team's going to go on a run. And I'm not going to ask that specifically, but is this team a Scooter Jeanette and an Alex Wood away from making a run? A run to what? Like a run to offset the one and eight. Um, because I felt like that's what they've needed because they started off one and eight, and that's been the pall that's hung over them, no matter what they've done. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> on their own merits, no. But if you if you added Alex Wood and you get the Alex Wood from two years ago. And the rotation stays doing what it's doing. I mean, that can't be anything but a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then the bats. I mean, it, it, it's been weird because over the last, whatever it is, 18 games. Mm-hmm. I know they play the, as we tape this, the Cardinals tonight. They've hit better. Yep. The starting pitching has been passable. And yet they've, they're 9-9. Nine and nine, You know? Right. And. They're, they're kind of running out of time because, you know, I keep talking about the trade deadline. That's less than two months away. So I don't know that there are any one guy away from really jumping into true relevance. Mm. You know, true contention. Sure. Could they get the 500? I guess so. But, you know, with Alex Wood, again, you're, you're hoping that he recaptures the magic from two years ago. Can he do that? a year and a half removed when you add a back injury to it. And you're assuming that Scooter Jeanette is going to replicate the production from the last two years. And I wouldn't totally wager on that. Right. You know? Losing some power with a grind. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. So, and, and plus, like, it's not like either guy is due back tomorrow. So, when do we think Scooter's going to come back? July 1st? I, I last saw that they said probably July 1st, maybe a little bit after. Right. So, like, where is this team by then? Are, are they still five under 500? I think you know at that point. I think at that yeah. point yeah. you understand that they're either a buyer or a seller. They're yeah. not going to be middle and So, like, if, if between now and then they go on a run and they, you know, definitively enter the fray and now I'm getting – Alex Wood and Scooter Jeanette back, well, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, people keep talking about where, where, where's Scooter going to go, and I go, well, I have a feeling it's just going to make sense. Yeah. Like, is Derek Dietrich going to be hitting homers every seven at-bats by then? Right. Well, that pace of slowed. That would be crazy if he What's what are, they, what are they doing in left field? Yep. I mean, you know? Well, and even... It's like everyone always says it always works itself out. It kind of does. And actually, I've got something about Dietrich a little bit later on, too. And, and if it doesn't, that means they will have made a run. Right. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because um, then you're even talking about Peraza. Because I know that we've all <clears throat> beat it to death what happens to Peraza whenever Scooter comes back. But I think, like you said, it's going to work I, I just have a feeling it's, it's, it's like last the, the offseason before last, everybody was like, Four outfielders for three spots. How's it going to work? And I'm like, it, it just will. It'll make right. sense. 
And like two games into the year, Shebler got hurt. I think he got hit by a pitch. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, for the time being, kind of know who's going to play. And then in a given time, there's going to be a guy who's hot. There's going to be a pitcher on the mound who's just a bad matchup for a certain guy. There's going to be somebody dealing with a minor ache or pain. There's going to be another opening somewhere, and so the dominoes are going to fall where this guy's got to change positions. Like, I just don't think, for the purposes of this season, it's going to be the advanced calculus that people make it out to be. Mm. And if it is, that means everybody's playing well, everybody's hitting, and on August 1st, everybody's here. And if that happens, then this team's in the hunt, and and then you have too many guys, and that's okay. Uh, but the run's going to have to happen. If Scooter Jeanette was coming back tonight and it's early June, okay, fine, let's see if there's Scooter Jeanette away. But if he's coming back around July 1st and the idea is to make up, is is you're still waiting for them to make up the 1-8 and eight start, it's probably too late anyway. Yeah. And then it's a matter of, can can Scooter can Scooter do enough in a month to give himself any kind of trade value? Right. And if he doesn't, then what happens with him moving forward? And that's an excellent segue <clears throat> into what my next thought was. And it's why I'm a friend of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened with friend of the show. Doug, mm-hmm. shout out to you. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> when? It, it, all right. Look into the future because we keep talking buyer seller, buyer seller, buyer seller. It's August 1st. Mm-hmm. Do you trust that on August 1st we will understand the direction that the front office took? Um, well, yes and no. I, I think if you're going sell means they get rid of everybody uh, who isn't under contract for next year. You know, They're probably not going to do that because – the one thing that I think is really hard for a lot of us to wrap our brains around is free agency in baseball has changed so much mm-hmm. that, like, ordinarily, you you would look at a guy like a Jose Iglesias and go, boy, he's going to break the bank this winter. Yeah. But will he? And will him not being able to break the bank maybe make it more sensible to keep him for a year or two? Because, mm-hmm. I mean... Sign me up for a guy who plays shortstop the way he does. Right. You know, who's been fine with the bat. But, I mean, I just think that's so important. Scooter Jeanette, it's like, you know, chances are last year was a career year. But is the market for him going to be? Because we used to talk about players like Scooter, like, oh, man, he's going to break the bank one day. Well, is he? Right. Like, so I I wonder how many of those guys – they dangle on the open market and go, you know what, what we would get for them isn't greater than what we would get keeping them right. and trying to re-sign them at a, at, a, at a cost that makes sense next year. Sure. That's hard for, I think, a lot of us as outsiders to really wrap our brains around. But I, this really doesn't answer your question, but I bring up like being sellers at the deadline and people are like, oh, you want to blow the team up? And I go, no, I, I want to add to what they already have. Right. They're one, two at the top of the rotation next year is pretty good to build around. Mm-hmm. Nick Senzel's pretty good to build around. Uh, Suarez is pretty good to build around. I mean, there's, yeah, there's some, some, Amir Garrett's pretty good to build around. I mean, there's, so I don't want to just trade everybody for the sake of trading them. I, I want to, 
I want to take what they have and, and flip it for guys that can be additions to what they already have that are ready to help win now. Major league ready guys, guys who might already be playing in, in the big leagues. Right. And then if around that you're like, you know what, uh, David Hernandez is still effective. We're going to keep him around at a salary that makes sense. Or Jose Iglesias is a gold glove caliber shortstop. We're going to keep him around at a salary that makes sense. You know, that's, that's okay. But clearly they structure the offseason around the idea that with so many players who are due to be free agents next year, they can trade them for long-term solutions. So I would be floored if, uh, barring something totally unforeseen, we haven't seen this team uh, move some of those guys for younger players. And that's what I'm I'm thinking. I'm looking at, like, the one-year guys and even thinking – and, and it's funny because everyone's first thought, and I asked this um, on the show, mm-hmm. and I try to get people to call in and respond. And so far the response <clears throat> has been the player that they'd most hate to see traded. And, and I told him, I said, they're not going to trade Joey. They're not going to trade Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. Really pretty sure they're not going to trade Nixon Zell, stuff like that. Right. The biggest response has been Dietrich. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, performance-wise I could see them getting – a lot back for him, but then I thought about last year, like you were talking about, the market for middle infield was nothing. Yeah, that's why the Reds got him because guys like Jed Lowry and second baseman were just going unsigned almost, mm-hmm. and they had good years. I mean, Jed Lowry, I think, hit over. I think he finished the year over three hundred last year, but we've got nothing. I mean, I think with Dietrich specifically, number one. He's not a free agent next year. Right. So if if you don't touch him, he's here next year. And if even if he was performing at the level that he performed at in Miami, there's value there. Decent lefty bat, can play a bunch of different positions. Like, right. by all accounts, good guy. We've seen that. I mean, you know, that's – that's pretty good. Then you add to it the the newfound slugging and you know the, the personality that he's really kind of you know made people rally around. I, I, I the other thing is when you don't have a lot of guys that are that you're committed to next year. I mean, if if you look at it from a financial standpoint, <clears throat> the significant chunks are Vado, Suarez, Barnhart, Iglesias, Gray. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Yeah, I don't. everybody else is either pre-arbitration or arbitration. Yep. Am I, am I wrong? I could be wrong about that. I'm, I'm asking him. Nope. Yeah. I'm. No. No. That's you know. That. Obviously, Puig can walk. Hughes and Hernandez can walk. Uh, Roark can walk. Um, you know, Desclafani's pre-arbitrate or arbitration eligible. So, like, I think there's money there for what Dietrich would would get. You know, he's obviously going to get a pay raise, but right. I kind of feel like you can budget that, and then he's on your team next year. Because I, I just – are there teams that would like Derek Dietrich right now? Sure. But is is a team going to just overwhelm you for Derek Dietrich because he had a huge two months? Probably Chances not. are he's not going to replicate that. So I think from a red standpoint, you're kind of wondering, you know, could we really use him on next year's team, and could he help us be even better next year? Is that worth keeping him around for? And then if we're not very good next year, can we flip him at the deadline – 
at the same time, it's like a Todd Frazier thing. He's never going to be this good again, so maybe it makes sense to... I guess the answer to that is be open-minded to the idea that he might not be here next year, and that might make sense. Mm-hmm. But just because he got here and he's good and there might be some interest doesn't mean that it's a lock that he has to go. Right. Because he has... You know, you have him next year. Might be a different animal if he was a free agent, but I, I think... I think you got to be open-minded to any possibility around July 31st, and that might involve trading a, a favorite like a Derek Dietrich. But if come August 1st he's on this team, that's okay. Like he, there's there's a lot of merit to him being on the club next year. So with that being said, what is the most valuable trade chip that the Reds have right now? Well, that they'd be willing to part no, with. Well, see, there's the, the caveat because I think it's Suarez. Yeah, 27 years old. He'll probably never be a top 10 uh, among the top 10 highest paid third baseman. Mm-hmm. He might still be getting better. Um, you get him for all of his prime years at less than 10 mil per. Like Nobody wants to do it. And I don't want the Reds. Suarez, I think, is their best player. But if you're just like look, looking at the most tradable thing, you know, I think teams look at it in terms of contracts and player. Yeah, 27-year-old third baseman who can hit you 35 bombs, play a good third base, gives you good at-bats, like, sign me up. Oh, and I could I could pretty much write down what he's going to get for the next five years, and it's not an exorbitant amount of money. Like, that is a great trade chip. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not suggesting they unload a Eugenio Suarez. No, I'm with you. But um, it's like if you, if you traded for Nick Senzel – I mean, there's a really good chance years four, five, and six he's making more than Suarez is going to be making those years. So, true. Plus, you have Jonathan India. Are you sold on Senzel at center field? What are you doing with Jeanette? Like, I think it's Suarez. Uh, I don't think they'd be willing to do that because I think, in many respects, he's kind of the face of the franchise. Um, and, and so then it's, I think it's kind of. I think the market's going to determine that more than anything. And I don't know, to be honest with you, and, and maybe you know we'll know by late July, I don't know what's going to be in the highest demand. Like, is there going to be such a, a demand for pitching that Tanner Roark is really, really attractive? Mm-hmm. Um, the way postseason baseball is played, bullpens are such at a premium, that is there a playoff-bound team that says, you know what, give me Hughes, and Hernan- Hughes or Hernandez? Yep. Um, is it Scooter? Does Alex Wood come off the injured list and pitch like Alex? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, right. I, is it Yassiel Puig? Uh, I, I, I don't know. But to me, the Reds should be getting phone calls from pretty much every kind of team. You know, hey, you need some defensive help. There's Iglesias. You need some bullpen help. We talked about those guys. We need a, a quality starter who's been in the postseason before. There's Roark. Hey, we, we could use a big bat in the outfield. There's Puig. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys. But, I mean, to me, the guy that would just have the, the – that would get you the most in return is probably not somebody they're willing to trade. And that's – again, that's Suarez, man. I mean – Oh, yeah. He's been around long enough. You can consider him a veteran. His, his salary is controllable. That's – I mean, what a smart maneuver by the Reds because it – number one, if he's your third baseman for the next five to six years, awesome. But if you're looking to parlay that into a lot – and hey, we have India at third base. Suarez. I mean, like, what a great move by them. So I think I think that's the answer. I don't think they're willing to trade him, and that was a part of your question, but Right. No, no. Man, if I'm a GM, I am asking about him. Mm-hmm. Like no. you, you just drafted a third baseman. He's gonna be here before you know it. 
you can't play Senzel at third in the interim? Like, I, I mean, I'm asking about him because, number one, I think he's a really good player. Number two, that contract is awesome. Want to take a brief pause in the conversation with Mo Egger? We'll be right back to that. But first, guys, let's talk about sex. Real quick, Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. And through today's special offer, you can go to bluechew.com and enter promo code MLB to get your first shipment free. You just pay $5 for shipping. Blue Chew is the faster, better, cheaper choice, and they've got a great way with which to go about it because you don't have to have that awkward conversation in the doctor's office with some doctor giving you a stink eye. You can just go to bluechew.com. You go through a couple of questions there with their pharmacist, and then you place your order. And, you know, you put in promo code MLB to get that first order for free. Just $5 in shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB. Also, head on over to Hotels.com for your next trip. Are you tired of hate-liking your friends' vacations? Have you seen your buddy sitting on the beach with a nice cold drink in his hand and taking a picture of it and putting it on social media and you're just like, man, i got to get out of this cubicle. Go to Hotels.com. They'll help you out. Great rates. And you can even get rewarded for your travel. Hotels.com. It's sort of off topic from what we've been talking about, but with the Reds playing the Cardinals in St. Louis, and with the constant ongoing talk about the Pirates, yeah, who is just in your in your heart of fans, in your fan heart, fan something about fan, yeah, <laughs> um, which team do you dislike more? The team, it's like, I don't know who on the Cardinals there is to just. Dis- I know Yadier Molina. Yeah. Dude, I mean. But that was nine years ago. Well, I was thinking about this the it, other day. It was nine years like, ago. Like, it was nine years ago, and he's pissed off that. Look, I was on Brandon Phillips' side because I felt the same way, but right. if you look at that fight that night, Brandon Phillips pops off in the car. If I, if I said something about you publicly, and then I come up to you and I try to pretend we're cool, you're going to take issue with it. And that's what yeah. Brandon Phillips tried to do that by, by both men's accounts. Phillips popped off, called, called him whiny little bitches, and then he comes to the plate to lead off the game, and he's, he's trying yeah, to be cool with Yachty. And, and like, if you, if you took that out of the equation and you judged him as a baseball player, if he had been the Reds catcher the last 12 years, we'd be talking about a statue of him outside the ballpark. He's, yep. been, he's a hall, first ballot Hall of Fame catcher. Who I hate the term plays the game the right way. Yeah, but like so, I don't find him particularly loathsome. Plus that night he hit a home run. Yeah, I mean I remember being at the game and yeah. we're all booing him and he hits a home run and I'm like, you know what? Hats off to you. I mean like that's that's big league. So I think it's fun to boo him, but I mean come on, you wouldn't want Yadier Molina for the last ten years. I'm with you behind I, the I dish. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, the Clint Hurdle end of it, I find loathsome because that jeopardizes players. Yeah. And so, in terms of uh, people on the team to like and dislike, it's the Pirates. But the Cardinals, the Cardinals thing has, to me, and, and there might be Reds fans who really disagree or don't like me saying this, I, I almost feel like 
the the dislike of that franchise is almost from a place of envy. Yeah. Where there's the cardinal way, and it's worked for a long time, and this franchise has often kind of been directionless. I don't think it is now. Or, you know, similar Midwest-type city, and, man, they really support the Cardinals. And we like to think we support the Reds that way, but... And they wear this whole best fans in baseball thing on their sleeve. Right. And we'd like to, but we we don't really fill the park. (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah. They've had, you know, for the last 20 years, they've never really been awful. You know, they... I mean, if you go back to when we flipped to the three divisions... How many years were they really bad? 96, they won the division. Even when they were down for a couple of years, McGuire was hitting 70 home runs. Yeah. 2000, they win the division. 2001, they go to the play. I mean, I'm just doing off the top of my head. 2002, they go to the playoffs. Essentially, if they weren't good, they were still in. Four, they made the World Series. Right. Five, they went to the LCS. Six, they won the World Series. Um, go back to the playoffs a couple of times, win it in 11. Go back to the LCS. They're good. They're, they're always in the – even last year they fired the manager that won 88 games. Yeah. So I've always kind of felt like the, the Cardinals – like people think – I think people around the country think Midwest baseball, passionate fan base, they think St. Louis, and we know that. Yeah. And so I've always felt like the Cardinals thing kind of – and I feel that way, man. I mean, it's like I, I went to uh, Cardinals opening day. Now – I'll be the first to admit, I think we do opening day better than everybody, better than anybody. Sure. But I have a buddy of mine who's a Reds fan, Cincinnati transplant, who moved to St. Louis to work for Anheuser-Busch. And a week after the Reds opened the season here, they went to St. Louis. It was their opening day. And it was like ours. I mean, it was not the same, but city shut down, a lot of pageantry. Um, you know, they take a great amount of pride in their, their Cardinals history. But they... Recently, they've just done the whole winning thing better. And uh, I think people think Midwest successful baseball team, they think St. Louis. So, And that's what that's what sucks the most about them. Like you said, the reason that we ever said we hated the Cardinals is because there was a lot of jealousy. Yeah. Because so they had the frilly thing of the Cardinal way, and we picked on that. And best fans of baseball, we picked on that. But when you strip away all that stuff, they really have something to talk about. Well, and if you go back to 2010, what was so frustrating about it was – uh, it felt like we passed them. Yeah. And, I mean, it did. It kind of felt like we passed them, and you're like, man, you know what? Pujols is going to leave soon. You know, they they beat them, and, you know, kicked kick the hell out of them in the National League Central. I mean, won the, won the division going away. And it kind of felt like, man, the Reds are about to be good for a while here. Right. They've passed the Cardinals. And then the next year, St. Louis wins the World Series. Yeah. And in 2012, you know, our team wins 97 games. And yet the Cardinals still played in the league championship series. And frankly, should have won it. They had a lead, 3-1 lead. Right. It's like, and you know, and the Reds have been pretty bad ever since. We, we just haven't been able to, you know, get that leg up on them. Um, and so I've always felt like that comes more just from a place of, and, I, you know, your listeners will get mad at me for saying this. I think a little jealous. I mean, no, you know, you, it's like when Sports Illustrated had the cover story a couple of years ago, the Cardinal way, and I'm like, well, you don't like it, but what's the Reds' way? Like, yeah. like I'm sorry. And, I mean, in my lifetime, I've been a baseball fan since I was uh, seven years old. The first real World Series I remember was the Cardinals playing the Royals. They lost, and then they were in the World Series two years later. And then it kind of felt like they were a non-entity for a while. 
But for almost my entire life, they've been relevant. Right. I mean, so, like, they've been in, what, four World Series since 04? Mm-hmm. The Reds have had three winning seasons? Like, dude, I'm sorry. So I think we want that. And we want the identity that comes with that as a Midwest city, passionate. And had the Reds had that kind of success, and maybe they will one day, I genuinely believe this. The way people talk about Cardinals fans, they'll talk about Reds fans. Mm-hmm. But they don't. And I totally think that's where, <clears throat> just an offshoot thought of that, that's where all the hatred for Walt Jockety came from, too. And they, they saw what he did with St. Louis, and they're like, oh, he's coming here, he's going to do the same thing. Yeah. And he never did. And and, yeah. and they give him a little bit harder. I, I, don't think, I don't think he got a fair shake, maybe, but... I, I never thought about that. I... I I mean... I could be talking out of the side. No, I'm... You know, number one, I I think it would be fascinating to think about some of the decisions that hamstrung this team for a while and really explore whether they fell at the feet of Walt or ownership. Like, I, I wrote about, for example, 2014... If Walt Jockety is acting completely autonomous, uh, with a complete autonomy, yep. does he make trades that Bob Castellini otherwise wouldn't let him? That's you know, true. I, I don't know, and I don't think we're ever going to know because I don't think Walt would ever come out and say he still works for the team. Sure, but um, I don't know. I mean, look, he did as as much as you could argue some of the pieces were already in place because of the work of. Wayne Krivsky and Dan O'Brien and their staffs. Um, with Walt in charge of baseball ops, they they did have three 90-win seasons. Right. And and by the way, and, and that occurred, you know, Walt, kind of an old-school old, stu, old school guy, is the sport is shifting into analytics. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, I remember when Walt became the guy, there was this sense of, hey, we have a proven – Big-time MLB GM. Transplant what St. Louis had to yeah. Cincinnati. I mean, maybe not to the exact same if, extent. If, uh, yeah. if the Reds score one more run in nine innings against the Giants in 2012 yep. and the Reds are in the National League Championship Series, I mean, think of... Is he still the GM now? Well, or are people looking at him more favorably? Are they looking at Dusty more favorably? Are they looking at that period of time more favorably? Like... Uh, you know, I, I think if I think if you looked at Walt Jockety's body of work in Cincinnati, anybody who's in any one place for any amount of time, any significant amount of time, you'll find a combination of successes and failures. But when I think of Walt Jockety, I think of some of the finishing touches made uh, to teams that ended up bringing me a lot of happiness, specifically ten and twelve. So, you know, I I'm sure we could find failures. I'm sure I talked about them, but I. I I think his time here was largely a success. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was a heck of a rabbit hole, but <laughs> we'll... Uh, I was hoping to not talk about the 2012 playoffs. Yeah, yeah, no. That would be great. Skirt, skirt around as much as possible. Um, so let's wrap... Well, we're going to wrap it up. I got three things, and I got kind of a a fun bet. Okay. And I'm not... I'm going to tell you off air what the prize is because okay. more cigars no free ads okay but fine. <laughs> Good deal. That's, that's fine fair enough yeah no free ads um three things yeah we'll say over under mm-hmm. whoever says over the other person's got the under okay 
first thing, and, and whoever gets the most of these, right, you know, two okay. out of three, three out of three, whatever, sure. you win the bet. Joey Votto over under three hundred. So if he bats three hundred or over, and you say over, you win. Mm-hmm. If he bats two ninety nine or under, finish the season three hundred. Yes, uh, I'll say under. Under. Okay. So I bet you he finishes. What was he last year? Two eighty seven. Yeah. In that vicinity. Second thing, and I kind of alluded to this early on, Derek Dietrich, over under 25 home runs with the Reds this year. Numbers at 17? Yes. Oh. But that's taking into account if he participates in the home run derby or if he gets traded. I'll go over, but I'll say, just for the hell of it, I'll say he finishes with 32. Okay. I like it. So I got the under on that one. And then lastly, and I know I know what your take was preseason, mm-hmm. and you probably will stick with it. Over, under, Cincinnati finishes 500. Over, over 500 or under 500. All right, so I'm going to do the math in my head. They're 27 and 32. Yep. So 81 wins would be 54. Yes. Fifty-four and uh, how many? How many losses is that? Forty-nine. Thirty-two, forty-nine. Fifty-four and forty-nine. Yes. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I'm not. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not yet sure of the composition of the team the final two months. Yeah. You know. I said before the season they'd win seventy-eight games. What's their pace right now? The interesting thing is. I have a calculator. I looked at baseball reference. They I don't know why I have a calculator. It's like 77.5 or something. On They're on pace to win 74 games. 74 games. 74 okay. games. So if they get to 78 wins, they'll exceed their pace. Mm-hmm. So what was it? 54, I have 103 games left? Yep. That's 524 baseball the rest of the way. Across 162 games, that's an 85-win pace. Do you, does this team look like an 85-win team? Forget the win-loss record. If I gave you this team that's cur- as currently constructed, that's an 85-win team. I don't think so. Yeah. And part of it, I mean, I I want to say yes because preseason I got all hot taking and said they'd make a wild card run. Right. And I even looked at Baseball Reference today, and they said the 90% their 90% confidence, their best case scenario was 85 wins. That's right. the best they could possibly do mathematically. So. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under, not drastically under. I still think number one, I would not be shocked if they finished above 500 because they haven't gone on a run. We even saw it last year; they lost 95 games, but there was like a three-week stretch where it felt like they couldn't lose. Right. So, you know, at some point, are they gonna win five or six games in a row? Yeah. That I mean, yes. Right. But you know. The tough thing is, will they not lose yeah. five or six games? Was the one and eight stretch their only bad, real bad run? Right. So my money is on them. Going I on. hope I'm wrong. I, I, finishing below 500. But I, again, I, I still think they're about a 78 win team. And if I, I really don't think that's a disappointment. Like, even though I said they could make a wild card run, thinking of from where they were last year to 78 wins, 79 wins, something like that this year. That puts you within striking distance of a really good year next year. Yeah. And I think that's all along what we understood was going to happen. So I don't I don't think that's such a bad thing. I yeah. would love to see them win, you know, 
85 games, you know, but I, I don't know that. I had the conversation with C. Trent Rosecrans before the season started. He goes, you know, it always feels like you kind of need that leap year, like which was what uh, 18 was, or 17 was for the Brewers. Yep. And then people were like, man, they're going all in. It's like, yeah, they won what, 86 games or whatever it was. Reds aren't going to win that many this year, I don't think. But I do think you need that step forward year. And to me, if – if you're like, you know what, they won more games, and in the process, Senzel came up and showed you that guy's a, a piece. Yeah. And Castillo took a step forward, and you feel comfortable with Sonny Gray. Like, t- to me, it's about how you get to the 78 wins. Um, but, yeah, I, I still I, I still think they're about a 70. So with 78 and 84, about a 78-win team still. And if you're telling me that we're the 17 Brewers, I just hope we get Christian Yelich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've said a couple of times, and I, I haven't done the head-to-head kind of comparison, but, like, this feels like to a different degree because it's not apples to apples, 2009 a little bit. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you, can, you can start to point to players – that should be on the team whenever they're ready to be good again. More than just a couple, too. Yeah, and and not all of them are here. Right. Like, you can point to um, – I can envision Luis Castillo pitching in a playoff game one day. Yeah. I could not have envisioned um, Scott Feldman pitching in a playoff game one day. Nope. You know? I could see Nick Senzel – being one of the best players on a 90-win team. Uh, I couldn't see Billy Hamilton being one of the key guys on a 90-win team. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I say, you know, they're, they're not going to finish above 500. People think I'm really negative. I go, actually, like, I really like – it's coming slow. There's a lot of things to really, really like now. Uber competitive division and, you know, they've had some organizational setbacks. But I, I like a lot of – things that they've that have happened and that are happening with this team but I just I've never bought into it translating into short-term success and uh you know so far the 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 record to this point justifies that position I uh definitely thank you for coming on as many times as you had Mo Egger the official first friend of the first friend of the show yes thank you so much man and I'll let you go Yes, sir. That's going to do it for the Locked On Reds podcast this week. Coming up next week on Monday, I'll be talking with James Rapine, the former host of the Locked On Reds podcast and current Indians beat reporter for 92.3 The Fan up in Cleveland. We're going to talk Indians Reds for the two games that they're playing next week. And I'll also get to your calls and we'll recap what happens over the weekend. Hopefully it's a good one as the Reds face the fighting Bryce Harper. No, Jay Bruce. No, no. Fighting Phils. The fighting Phils. That's right. They're in Philadelphia. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed. Hit that subscribe button on all your podcasting apps. Check us out on Twitter. Head on over to LockdownReds.com and drop us a line at 513-549-0159. For the Lockdown Reds Podcast, my name is Jeff Carr. You guys have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.